Good morning, Fourth Avenue family. What an awesome morning. We, every Sunday, I get blown away. The team that's up here so humbly leads us. Thank you guys for doing that. Jennifer, that song, Christopher and Starla, thank you for introducing us to that song. Yes, that was beautiful. My name is Lauren Schrader, and I'm one of the student ministers here. For those of you who I don't know, I'd love to meet you. Um, and I'm sure that there are a ton of people around you that would like to meet you as well. This morning, I ask that you envision a bride with me. Um, I want you to think of all of the things that comes on this day. I want you to envision a bride. There's all the happy things in the day. Maybe she's getting her nails done. Maybe she's getting her hair done. She's with her closest friends. But I want you to envision this bride. It's a beautiful day. She's really excited. It's her wedding day. It's really fun. And then an hour before she goes to walk down the aisle, mass chaos erupts, okay? And this isn't too far from, from a thing that could happen because, honestly, there is a lot that has to go down right before, an hour before you walk down the aisle. So there's a picture that has to get taken because someone isn't coming to the reception, so that has to happen. And then she doesn't exactly know where one person is, and they've got to figure out, and, oh, no, did the person that was start to playing music, are they, are they playing it already? And just kind of like stress and anxiousness start to come. And it's all this insanity and then this moment right before she's about to walk down the aisle. I want you to envision an aisle. And in this church, we've got two aisles. Um, so, and actually, I was in a wedding here last summer, Molly White, and, and it was still evident where we were supposed to walk down. Walk down here, walk back up this direction. And it might be an outdoor aisle, an indoor aisle. You have different kinds, but I want you to envision this aisle. And in the mass chaos of the day, there's stress and there's anxiousness, and then there's this moment where she grabs hold of her father's arm She's got her eyes fixed on an extremely loved one, and she's about to walk down this aisle. The path is very clear. There's not a question of where she's walking. The rest of the day, there might have been a moment of, am I supposed to go over here? Or what time is that appointment? What do I do? Where's the pictures? But in this moment, she takes a deep breath, grabs hold of her father's arm. And some of you may have experienced this. There's this moment of clarity where you're walking, and you know exactly where you're walking to. And I was sharing this with one of my friends who's, who's not married and said, I've had a moment so similar to that, even though it wasn't an aisle. She was like, my dad and I, we were on vacation. We were in this city that I didn't know very well. And we were trying to go across the street. And there's the crosswalk. You know, you know where the white stripes are. You're not if you go elf mode and like jump on them. Like, but you're walking across. And she knows where she's supposed to go on the other side of the street. And, her, and she grabs hold of her father's arm, but she can't see the oncoming traffic that's coming this direction. And she shared that as she grabbed her father's arm, she knew where she was walking. She couldn't know if oncoming traffic was going to hit her or not. She just had to trust this is the right direction. He's got it. He's under control here. And we have these moments in our life where we know exactly where we're supposed to be walking, where we're walking in step with where we're supposed to go. And then there's these other moments where it's like, what direction is it? You know, what, what time is that appointment? Where am I supposed to go? Um, we have an analogy in the Old Testament, in a slew of Old Testament scriptures, but then also in Matthew and in Revelation of a bride and a bridegroom, of a bride and a bridegroom. And I love that analogy because there is this moment of an aisle. Lately here at Fourth Avenue on Sunday mornings, we've been studying spiritual disciplines. We've talked about meditation. We've talked about prayer. We've talked about blessing and encouragement. And, and this morning, we're actually going to take a break from looking at these spiritual disciplines and look, look at what it looks like to walk in step with spirit, the fruit of Holy Spirit. 
And, and I don't know about you, but there's these moments sometimes when I think about some of these disciplines and I'm like, I don't know that my desire is there to do that. With some of these disciplines, it's like, I want it, but, but do I want to put in the time to do it? So we're going to take a break from this series, and today we're going to talk about what it looks like when we have the fruit of spirit, when we start to experience this fruit, we want to put in the time for these disciplines. More of that desire is there. Um, in the, the students on Sunday mornings, we've been talking through Galatians 5, we've been talking through some of these fruit of Holy Spirit um, and we've had some different speakers. Some of you have come in with the students and talked through these nine things, which has been really beautiful. But it's been really, really cool to see how there's been a correlation. As we've been walking through fruit of Holy Spirit, and then on Sunday mornings, we've been walking through spiritual disciplines. The cor- they connect so well. It's been immaculate to be walking through those together. So for the rest of the congregation, I wanted to invite you all into this Galatians 5 scripture. If you'll turn with me to Galatians 5, we're going to be in 16 through 26. This section in Scripture is something that I really appreciate. Um, In our Bibles, there's a bolded part sometimes above sections. In this section, the bolded part says, keep in step with the Spirit. Keep in step with Spirit. Galatians 5, verse 16. But I say, walk by the Spirit. And you will not gratify the desires of the flesh. For the desires of the flesh are against the spirit. And the desires of the spirit are against the flesh. For these are opposed to each other. To keep you from doing the things you want to do. But if you are led by the spirit, you are not under the law. Now the works of the flesh are evident. There's sexual immortality and impurity and sensuality, idolatry, sorcery, enemy, strife, jealousy, fits of anger. Rivalries, dissensions, divisions, envy, drunkenness, orgies, and all these things. And I warn you, as I warned you before, that those who do such things will not inherit the kingdom of God. Verse 22, this is where we're going to spend the main portion of our time this morning. But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Against such things there is no law. And those who belong to Christ Jesus have crucified the flesh with its passions and desires. If we live by the Spirit, let us also keep in step with Spirit. Let us not become conceited, provoking one another, envying one another. We're going to take this verse by verse, but before we do that... It's really important to turn back in your Bible, maybe a page or two, to Galatians 1. Going to just kind of help give us a little bit of context here. Galatians is a letter that Paul wrote. Paul introduces us to his letters. It's usually, hey, this is me writing, or hey, this is me and Timothy writing, or hey, this is like me and our crew, like kind of the posse. And this one is kind of the posse situation. So Paul's writing, this is the only letter that we have from Paul that he doesn't thank them. Okay. So it's important to know as we read Galatians because Paul, when he's writing to Romans, he's like, thank you, your faith has been proclaimed around the world. And then even to Corinth, he's like, I thank my God. To Ephesus, I do not cease to give thanks, etc. with his letters. This is the only one that he doesn't do that. And he still goes in and just says the grace and peace situation. He, he says grace and peace to you. But as he's writing to the churches in Galatia, he's actually pretty tough on them. In chapter 1, verse 6, he goes on to say, I'm astonished. That you so quickly deserted him. He's astonished. 
And now we've got to remember that he's writing to a group of divided people, Jew and Gentile. He's trying to bring them together in this. But even in, later on in chapter 1, verse 10, he goes on to say, Paul's saying, For I'm, are you now seeking the approval of man or of God? Am I trying to please man? If I were trying to please man, I would not be a servant of Christ. If I'm trying to please man, I would not be a servant of Christ. Paul's calling the churches of Galatia for not being in step. Not being in step. They've got a people-pleasing problem. Am I trying for the, the approval of man? And quite frankly, a people-pleasing problem might be something that really relates to us in our context. And you might not necessarily consider yourself as an individual a people-pleaser, but we have an image battle going on specifically around us in the city of Franklin. There is an image battle, an approval thing, and we've got to reject any idea that the approval of man is what we're seeking after. We're seeking after the approval of God. He is the one who will say, well done. But Paul's writing to a group of people that are seeking after the approval of man. So as I'm reading Galatians, I'm like, wow, I can relate to that. Can we relate to them in this context? So, so let's go back to Galatians 5. Because it's interesting to me that for a group of people that are seeking the approval of man, this is the only letter that Paul goes into these nine things of what it looks like to walk in step with spirit. Paul's like, okay, this is a group of people struggling with pleasing people. This group of people gets to hear these nine things of what it looks like to walk in step with spirit. So we're going to be back Galatians 5, 16 and 17. But I say, walk by the spirit and you will not gratify the desires of the flesh. For the desires of the flesh are against the spirit, and the desires of the spirit are against the flesh. For these are opposed to each other. Paul is encouraging a practice of serious godliness here. And he also acknowledges that every single person has this struggle between spirit and flesh. And that we have this choice, we have this option. Are we going to feed the spirit or are we going to feed the flesh? So on this one side of things, you have this flesh this corrupt part of ourselves. And then on the other side of things, you have this spirit, this renewed part of yourself. And just because we've chosen spirit, just because we've had this renewed moment, Lincoln Duckworth's about to dedicate his life after this, that's amazing. Just because we have this renewed moment doesn't mean that there's not still a constant battle between flesh and spirit. Sometimes I think it's easy to think, oh, like, oh yeah, I work, I volunteer at a church all the time, I'm here, I've chosen to dedicate my life to Christ, I'm good. We've got to be participating in this battle in the name of Jesus against the flesh. This isn't just like a quick one and done workout and you're good. Which, this is the spiritual and the physical, there is a parallel here, but this isn't a portion about self-image. But it's like in a workout, when you're working out, if there's a certain workout that you're doing, your body naturally wants to cheat and do like bad form to make it easier. Some of you have maybe experienced this before. Or if you're running and like your body naturally wants to kind of take bad form because it becomes easier. In our battle with flesh and spirit, we've got to keep the correct form. In order to keep the correct form in a workout, sometimes that says, hey, can I have a spotter? Like, Lindsay, will you help me get this? Will you, will you help spot me right now? Because it's better for me to, official, to finish the set correctly and to keep the correct form than it is to start slouching and have bad form. That's what I need to do for minimal injury. Okay, so in our battle with the spirit and the flesh, if we're working out the spirit, we're, we're contributing to this fight, fighting the flesh. 
there are moments where our form starts to get more weak. And it's better for me to say, I need a spotter. Check my form. Lindsay, help me out. Like, check my form. Help my form to be correct here for minimal injury. Sometimes we're in this battle of spirit and flesh. The best way that we can have good form is to imitate someone else's. Wow, like, that's, that's the correct form. How can I battle this flesh with spirit? How can I choose this? Verse 18. We're still in Galatians 5, verse 18. But if you are led by the Spirit, you are not under the law. It's so easy to get caught up in all the things we can't do. It's so easy to get caught up in the, no, 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 don't do that, don't do that, don't do that. In the midst of March Madness with basketball, for you basketball fans, it's, it's so easy to think about, like, oh, you can't double dribble, you can't do this. Oh, if a foul may or may not be called, we don't know. Like, you can't do this, can't do this, can't do that. But the goal of the game is to get the ball in the basket. If you focus all day long on, oh my gosh, don't set a moving screen, <laughs> are you going to really focus on getting the ball in the basket? At church camp, on the first night, we go through a lot of different things of things you shouldn't bring or places you shouldn't go, whatever. But if each camper decides, I'm going to choose to respect others around me and respect myself, then you don't have to worry about all the things that you can't do. We've got to keep our eyes set on the goal. Because if we choose to completely be led 100% by spirit to walk in step with him, the law starts to look different. And things that maybe we felt like that we were completely condemned not to do becomes more of a simple command because it's more natural when we're walking with the spirit. Verse 19 takes us through some of these works of the flesh that we're constantly working out against. And then we get to 22 and 23, and I'm going to take this slowly, and I'm going to ask you, if you want to close your eyes, um, I'm going to ask you to take a deep breath with each of these nine things that I speak over you. I don't take it lightly that Paul has said, this is the fruit of Holy Spirit. This is the fruit. Like, if you get excited for fresh pineapple, or oh my goodness, it's almost spring, like think about the yummy watermelon, like we are talking fruit of spirit, so I'm going to ask you, if, if you'll join with me, close your eyes and just take a deep breath after each of these things. And we want to experience more of these nine things. But the fruit of spirit is love. Joy. Peace. Patience. Kindness. Goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. You can open your eyes now. How beautiful these nine things are. And when you group them together, it becomes this immaculate puzzle. One of our speakers for the youth class was Alan Gentry. And he said something that I really appreciated. He said, in order to practice one of these nine things, you have to be in tune with the other eight. Because when we start to really want to live out love, we're going to be living in joy and peace and kindness and goodness and all these other things. And this list is so beautiful. I mean, love. We have such a perfect example of love from our Father. And then you've got joy. Cheerfulness in all contexts. Or maybe even just like a simple delight in God. Peace. The kind that truly passes our understanding, yet we're able to recognize it. 
that's wild. <laughs> like we don't know how to create it, but we can recognize it. Patience and gentleness and goodness, self-control. And I believe that when we see these nine things in someone, it shows that they are being led by spirit. If even for that one moment, if even for that one moment, that person is walking in step with spirit when they are interacting with these nine things. So when we seek out and we start to recognize, oh, that was, that was patience. We're finding the beauty in others. So as I said, the students have been studying this on Sunday mornings, and one of our speakers was Tracy Grimes, and she said an incredible quote in class. If you don't know Tracy, I have a massive amount of love and respect for her. You should get to know her. She's phenomenal. Um, but she said, fruit is an indicator of health as well as a goal. You can't make fruit. You can only cultivate favorable conditions. Yeah, she's like very poetic, like I said. You should get to know her. She's very well spoken. But this fruit that shows up in our lives, this is healthy fruit. And it's, it's the kind of fruit, the kind of health that want you, once you experience it, you want more of it. It's not the kind of diet that you're like, oh, I'm sick. I don't want to go back to that. Like this is something you want more and more of. But yet you can't make these nine things physically. It's not like you're going home today and you put all the ingredients in your crock pot and like you serve up yourself a bowl of peace for dinner. That would be great. I would love some, some bowl of peace, but that's not how it works. But you can water the ground, till the soil, walk in each step with spirit to get the outcome of these nine things. Verse 24, and those who belong to Christ Jesus have crucified the flesh with its passions and desires. I'm going to read this one again. And those who belong to Christ Jesus have crucified the flesh with its passions and desires. The imagery that Paul uses here is so bold to me because Paul is looking at a group of people and he uses the words Jesus Christ and crucified in the same sentence. That's wild. Like, is, you, you know about the crucifixion. And the resurrection. This is a thing that happened to Jesus. And then Paul says, when we crucify the flesh, he uses the word crucify. Why? Because he's relating you to Jesus. He's inviting you into the story. You know how powerful the crucifixion and resurrection were. So to put a parallel that when we are battling with spirit and flesh and we crucify the flesh, he's giving you an opportunity to relate to Jesus in this fight. It's about Holy Spirit and walking in step with Spirit, but you are being invited in to experience more of what it looks like to know Jesus. How cool that he uses those words together. And those who belong to Christ Jesus have crucified the flesh. All right, and then we're in verses 25 and 26. If we live by the Spirit, let us also keep in step with the Spirit. Let us not become conceited, provoking one another and envying one another. I'm going to, we're going to look at verse 26 first on this section. I find it no coincidence that in a section where Paul is saying walk in spirit, it's sandwiched by this desire for us to practice humility. Like these nine things are in the middle, but right above this section in chapter five, right above this, he talks about love and serving others. This is uh, verse, verse 13, love and serve one another. Okay, so you got in verse 13, love and serve one another. And then underneath that, you have walk and step with spirit. And then at the end of that section, do not become prideful. He goes into this. And then even later on in chapter 6 in Galatians, he says, 
bear with one another, and don't grow weary. It's like these nine things in scripture are surrounded by humility. Because if they weren't, if we were walking in these nine things, and it's like, I'm the master of these nine things, I got it, I totally live out all nine of these things. Wow, well, now the value of all of them is worthless. (laughs) He surrounds them with humility at the beginning and at the end. If If I'm a tree, what am I bearing? I was talking to Dean about this, and he said, I said, fruits of the Holy Spirit. And he said, it's fruit. And I was like, oh. He said, yeah, it's, it's fruit. And I was like, you're so right, Dean. Yes, thank you. It is fruit. A good tree bears good fruit. A bad tree bears bad fruit. It's the fruit. From your tree, you're not having good and bad fruit. This is the fruit of spirit. If you are a tree, what is coming off of you? Is it joy and love and peace? Is it these things? And is that surrounded by all these leaves of humility? At the beginning, I asked you to envision a bride. And and I I do want you to envision a bride, but more than that, I actually want you to put yourself as as the bride. And some of you men, you might think, I've always envisioned myself, you know, being the groom or being the dad, but hang with me. I want you to be the bride in this moment. And you grab hold of your father's arm and you have your eyes locked on Jesus. And you know that that is where you're headed. And you've got this aisle marked out for you perfectly. You know exactly where you are walking, okay? And father might not be a good image for you. I want you to envision the most perfect father. You grab hold of, of maybe a mentor in your life that has really guided you and loved you well. You have your eyes set on Jesus. And then I want you to take it a step farther. It's God the Father. You are walking with God the Father down. And you are in line. Your steps are clear. You know what walking in spirit looks like. And then take it a step farther. Because church, if we can imagine us as a fourth avenue, a church family, we are a church. We grab hold of the Father's arm with our eyes locked on Jesus, walking in step with spirit down this aisle. With this cloud of witnesses around us, we are walking in step towards this goal. What does it look like to cultivate the fruit of spirit? I believe that it looks like that. We've been given the beautiful title as the bride of Christ, as his church. If we together come and lock arms with our father and go down this space, what will that do for the community around us? Not seeking the approval of man, but of God seeking after Jesus. Do you you have anyone in your life where... Things don't work out in certain ways, and yet they still glorify God to the point where you're like, whoa, like, (laughs) things are not going well for you, and you, like, still are excited about the sunshine. That's awesome. Um, Or or maybe you know, like, their work situation is rough, and they tell you, like, oh, it's it's a, you know, it's a great day. I had a good conversation at work, and you're thinking, your boss is crazy. (laughs) Like, how are you giving God glory right now? My sister is one of those people. She constantly is just like walking in step with the Lord um, to the point where, and I asked her if I could share this, and she said I could. She legitimately does not know where she's going to be living for the next months of their lives. She's got three kids. She doesn't know where they're going to be. And they kind of maybe know a city, but not really. And then even further than that, they definitely don't know, like, is it a house? Is it a townhouse? We don't know. And she's 
so peace-filled right now. It's wild. I'm thinking, like, you've got a preteen and a toddler and a newborn. Like, how are you not freaking out? But she's walking in step with spirit. And, And actually, last time that I had this ukulele on this stage, it was a moment where I recognized this in her. She was sitting on the front row. And, and I, was, I was sitting playing. It was for her daughter's celebration of life, my niece that was on this earth for two weeks. And I'm sitting here playing, and I look down, and Becca's sitting right about here, and she's smiling. And I was like, what? <laughs> Your daughter just passed away, and you're smiling. And it's not that she was happy. It's that she was walking in step with spirit. That night, and some of you were here, that night she went on to encourage people to adopt and how beautiful it is a process to love others that need to be loved. It was immaculate because she was walking in step with spirit. And, and these nine things aren't something that we should just strive for. We shouldn't just be striving for peace and love and joy in these things. It's something to take stride in. With each step down an aisle towards Jesus to walk in these nine things. Some of you have heard the elementary song, Don't Worry Students, I'm Not Going to Make You Sing It, but you do know it, um, where it goes through and it's like, the fruit of the Spirit's not a watermelon or a banana, but it's these nine things, right? And the last time until recently that I had sung that song was in children's worship. But we should sing these nine things. We should pray them over one another. They are the fruit of spirit, right? And we sing, I love the song that we sing, and we're actually going to sing it in a minute. Holy Spirit, you are welcome here. And what a beautiful thing. But what if we combine those two things where we are singing peace and love and joy, but we are also singing spirit come, because when you come, this is your fruit. So I've combined those two songs, and yes, it is somewhat elementary, but I ask that if you want to join in, it's, a, it's decently simple and the words will be on the screen. And if you don't want to, that's totally fine. But I want you to reflect over these nine things as the fruit of spirit that it is and what it looks like in our lives when we are walking in step with him.